We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let's jump into Purdue, Brian. That would be game three on Notre Dame's schedule. September 18th. Yes, and it is a home game, of course. Uh, and they welcome the Boilermakers. What what has the the layoff been between Notre Dame and Purdue? It's been a little bit since 2014, yeah. Was it 14? Wow. Yeah, they played in long. the uh, Shamrock game in Indianapolis, which was the dumbest placement of a Shamrock game ever. <laughs> Two Indiana teams that. playing in Indianapolis. I remember that. I went yeah. to that game. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I remember that one. That was dumb. Um, and if I that's remember, that's a series. Correct, that's a series I miss. To be uh, honest, absolutely. With you. I, I that's, because that's there's a, a ton ten, of Purdue yeah. fans around here, and I love you it's know state. Absolutely, there's a long and, history between the and, two teams. And I'll be honest with you, I miss Michigan State too. I, I, I yeah. would love to have Michigan State and Purdue. Excuse me, back on the schedule. Maybe trade them off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really enjoyed Michigan State and Purdue being on the schedule. I, I really did, and and it hits. It hits home for me. I've got relatives that went to Michigan State. I've got relatives that went to Purdue. Uh, but I just enjoy those particular intersectional rivalries, right? And so mm-hmm. um, so I'm well, glad Purdue's here's, back. Here's some today. numbers for you. Thanks. Notre Dame and Purdue have played each other 84 times. There you go. N- Notre Dame holds a 56-26-2 and two advantage. Notre Dame and Michigan State have played each other 77 times. And... Uh, yeah, so a little bit of a little bit of a difference there, and then of course Notre Dame and Michigan have played each other forty three times. I was going to say it's about twi- twice as much, way yeah. less. Yeah, than they've played those other but that's teams. The, so, but that's the rivalry. Yeah, a, a rivalry that means nothing to me. So <laughs> exactly. this th- even more than Michigan State because like Michigan State has a little bit of the, um, you know, hey look they were good to Notre Dame when the rest of the Big Ten was was doing their anti Catholic don't want to play Notre Dame hater thing. Uh, Michigan State was trying to push to get Notre Dame into the Big Ten. That was right. the one one of the few Big Ten teams that really was making that push to bring Notre Dame in. And, uh, you know, so I like that. But the Purdue rivalry one, to me, makes sense. It's anytime mm-hmm. you can have a rivalry game that's a bus a bus ride, right. not a flight. Right. I like that. Yeah. And it's a bus ride. And it's an in-state school, great tradition. 
I, I this is one I wish was back on the schedule. Me to too. Be honest with you. Me too. It's the only Big Ten team I really care about playing all the time. I would love to see, honestly, for me, I would love to see Stanford get removed from the schedule and for Purdue to replace them as the permanent third. I would love that rival. Yeah, I would love opinion. that. I would love yeah. that. Yeah, I would. And it's you know when we're talking about this particular Purdue team, look, it's not, it's not necessarily going to feel like a rivalry game necessarily. I, yeah, I, I'm I, not. I'm not sure I about that. Higher on Purdue than I am. Uh, I, I, I am. Be honest I with am. So let's just dive into Purdue, right? All right, so let's do it. This is a huge year for Purdue. A I huge agree. year for Purdue. And 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 even more so a huge year for Jeff Brom. You know, came in, this is now his fifth season, inherited a terrible program. Agreed. To me, the worst Power Five program in America. Worse than Rutgers, worse than Kansas at the time. Woo. It was bad. Coach Hazel did a really bad job. He The team stunk. His recruiting was bad. He inherited a yeah. terrible roster. And Jeff Brom came he falls, in. He falls under that category of guys that I liked as a human, but not necessarily yes. as a coach. Some guys are just men, better. Look, yeah. some guys are just meant to be assistants. Yeah, that's for just, sure. Or yeah. or be head coaches at a place like Kent State, right. where he had some success. Yeah. Yep. And and obviously was a, a very good longtime assistant coach at Ohio State. Uh, yes, really good guy. Yeah. Bad head football coach. I, I had a lot of interaction with him. I, I thought yeah. I thought he was a great guy. I you know I would listen to him talk. I was like, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. And but yeah, it just didn't translate. It yeah. just didn't translate on the recruiting trail. Um, and Terrible it, recruiting, which it just was yeah. surprising because he was a good recruit, known as a good recruiter at Ohio State. But again, right. it just shows that it's a lot easier to recruit at Ohio State than it is to recruit at Purdue. It, it you know what depends on what you've got on your right. shirt, man. When you walk in right. the building, it makes a big difference. It just does. So he inherits that situation where. I think Purdue had won like four games in the previous like three years, something absurd like that. Hadn't won. I'm trying to remember what I'm going to pull it up here real quick. What Daryl Hazel had done. I mean, it was, it was bad. And what, what Jeff Brom walked into. And so I'm, I'm pulling it up now. Purdue in four years under, under Daryl Hazel won a grand total of nine games. They went one and 11, three and nine, two and 10, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Did they win another game that year? No, they didn't. When he got fired, they lost the six games after he got fired in this fourth year. They went. They won three games. They went three and twenty-one in the Big Ten. So that's what that's what Jeff Brom walked into. And um, and look, Purdue Purdue is not a perennial top of the Big Ten team necessarily, but they're better than they're that. They're way better than that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they should be. They should be middle to. Upper third, in my opinion, uh, with, with entrenched in the middle with an yeah. occasional upper third yeah. finish, right? Absolutely, they should not be bottom feeders in the Big Ten. Right. They just should not be with their tradition. So then you look at what he did in his first two years. Again, you inherit a program that won nine games in three years and four years. They go seven and six in year one, win four games in the Big Ten. So again. Nine wins in four seasons total. In Jeff Brom's first two years of Purdue, they won nine Big Ten games mm-hmm. compared to three the previous four years. And that included in year two a, a beatdown of Ohio State, which knocked Ohio beautiful. State out of the college football that playoff. Was, that, that was beautiful. Yeah. And, and so they're trending up. They go into 2019. They got ever like almost everybody coming back except their quarterback, and the wheels fall off. One of the most injury-ravaged teams I've ever seen. They lost everybody to by the end of the year, their starting quarterback, their leading rusher, their leading receiver, and their leading their best defensive player were all true freshmen. 
They were just brutal. ravaged by injuries. Yeah, brutal. And they go four and eight. And then last year they come out and they go two and four. And they their two and four is includes they they start off two and zero. Oh, then they lose by a touchdown to Northwestern, who won the West. They lose by three points to to Minnesota in a the game. They got absolutely screwed. Do you remember that play where they called offensive pass interference on a I late do. touchdown, which was just yeah. one of the worst calls I've ever seen in my yeah, life? I do. Then they lost by a touchdown to Rutgers in a game where they blew a lead, and then they lost by 10 to Nebraska. Those last two games against Rutgers and Nebraska were home games. Inexcusable mm-hmm. to lose at home to, to them. And, to of course, teams, yes. you're right. Rondell Moore has a monster freshman year, never healthy again. Right. And that was another thing is just injuries just continue to ravage that team, which, again, you have to, you're have you responsible for that. I mean, at some point in time, when you have back-to-back years of a lot of injuries, you have to look at your, your decisions your as a coach yeah, on your strength absolutely. program. Yeah. Yep. And one year I can understand. Two years, it's it's a bit of a it's a bad sign. But he's he recruited well. This Purdue team is going to be a lot more talented than your typical, you know, six and twelve team the previous two years. That's the I mean. You're, look, I'm going to do a, a, a later ne- like next week. I'm going to have like an all opponent offense and defensive team. Purdue's going to have several guys on those. They're going to have one. They're going to have a receiver on there. They're going to have a defensive lineman on there. They're going to have a couple other guys on sort of the second team. This is a team that has more talent than you might expect when you look at their record. And that's why that's why I say they could be better, but Jeff Brom has to prove it now, right? I mean, it's now show and me. That's time why it's a big year. That's right. why it's a big year for him because he's right. he's been able to entrench himself. He's getting his recruits on the field. You know, this is a big year for him. And and again, I don't put a whole lot of stock in what happened last year to a right. lot of teams. To a, right. for a lot of teams. Right. Because especially with a couple especially of Especially those big ten Mac teams that canceled and then came nailed back. It. You nailed it because they only had half of a half of a season. They didn't have much prep, you know, all of that, and and so and then, much uncertainty. Vince, what does it do to you mentally when you've like, okay, season's over, we're not going to play, right? And then, and then just all was, of a sudden, oh, by the way, we're going to play. Like tomorrow, you need. How to be do you practice. just turn that switch back yeah. on? <laughs> right, you know. Absolutely. Well, here's the crazy thing: they were practicing that entire freaking time. <laughs> they were working out as a team the entire time that they couldn't practice and play, but they could right. work out. There's just so, so many stupid things. So dumb. But you you look at them, Vince. And you say they, they got to go to a bowl game this year. I mean, they have Agreed. to at least go six and six. I honestly think they need to be better than six and six. And they've got a schedule this year that sets up favorably for it. I, I'm looking at it now. I got my, my yeah, Lindy's in front of me. I'm looking you, at it. You got well. a home game against Oregon State. That, right. that, you're at home. You got to win that game. And this yep. is a game they've been losing recently. They play at UConn, who would you say they're a bottom five college football program absolutely. right now, Vince? Yes, absolutely. I don't care where you're playing that game. You they haven't rebounded from the Bob Diaco. No, they have they not. Haven't. I mean, just being honest, they it's haven't. Pretty bad. <laughs> then they're at Notre Dame. Right, it should be a loss. But then you know you're home against Illinois, home against Minnesota, winnable games, at Iowa, home against Wisconsin, at Nebraska, home against Michigan State, at Ohio State, at Northwestern, and home against Indiana. I mean, honestly, if Purdue's the team that they should be based on their talent level, the only games on there that I say now they got no shot. Should be at Notre Dame and at Ohio State, Wisconsin. I mean, they, no, it's at home. It? Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, I don't think the talent gap between Ohio State and Purdue, or being Wisconsin and Purdue is enormous to where you shouldn't okay. be able to at least be in that game at home. And then if a couple things go your way, you should you know maybe pull off that upset. I mean, that's the thing is, I mean, if if you're an NFL scout and you're looking at Purdue and Wisconsin and you're going to draft only te- guys from the, your first two picks are coming from Purdue. As opposed to Wisconsin, yeah, right. Wisconsin's more known, I guess. I would say as like a a team, right? You know what I mean. But like, that's that's yeah. the thing, though, is like right. if you're Purdue, you're at home. This is a game sure. you need to be in. 
And, and that's my point. And if you can't at least be competitive at home against Wisconsin in year then five, big, then there's bigger issues. Yeah, there's bigger issues. You're absolutely correct. You know, Michigan yeah. State's not that good. But but again, all those teams I'm talking about, like at, at Northwestern, that's going to be a tough game. But I don't think Northwestern will be very good this year. Pat Fitzgerald has never done well in years where he loses a lot of experience, and they sure. lose a little. I think they got like what, like nine starters coming back. Northwestern. Well, that's, a, that's at a neutral field. Too. I think yeah. they're playing at Soldier Field. Uh, yeah, on, in that one. It, so, are they really okay? I, yeah. It, well, so that's my, even my worse for Northwestern. It just says Chicago, yeah. so I'm assuming that that's even worse for Northwestern. It's a neutral. It's not site. even on their home field. Right. Uh, so you know, Vince, even at Iowa, I mean, I, I, that's going to be a tough game. But I mean, is Iowa really that good? So you know, to me, there's like three I definitely chalk up as losses at Iowa, at Notre Dame, at Ohio State, Illinois, and Minnesota at home, Wisconsin at home, Michigan State at home, Indiana at home. All should be winnable games in year five of of, of a good coach's program. Yeah. At Northwestern's winnable. At Nebraska, I think it's going to be tougher than people think. I'm a little higher on Nebraska this year than a lot of people are, uh, but still a winnable game. And then you're at UConn and you're home against Oregon State. I mean, there there has to be six wins in there. Yeah, it has to be. And that's the thing. It's like they could be anywhere from six wins to eight, yeah. eight nine wins, depending on yeah. how things shake out with the way with right. the way I'm looking at this schedule. Because right, you know, they're the Big Ten teams they're playing aren't world beaters or they're down right now. Or you know, they, I right. think they catch some of these like Michigan State, for example. Mm-hmm. They're going to catch mm-hmm. Michigan State as they're trying to build it back up. Now, I think the arrow is pointing in the right direction for Michigan State, but they're mm-hmm. not there yet, right? And so this is a great year to pick them off, you know? Right. So, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think that, you know, you know, the best part about this is, and I'm, I'm speaking from a college football fan standpoint, mm-hmm. that Purdue-Indiana game at the end of the season could actually mean something. Yeah. I, I really do. I think yeah. that game could really mean something. I'm not, and I'm not talking like the winner gets to go to a bowl. You know right. what I mean? Like in the past, like mm-hmm. that game could potentially mean something. I think both of those teams could be pretty decent. Right. You know what I mean? So I, right. that excites me. Like I said, as a as a guy who lives in Indiana, uh, as a college football fan, that that gets me a little excited. So now, what Purdue? You know, we, we let's dive into Purdue a little bit yeah. offensively, Vince. <laughs> and and this is going to be the this is going to be the side of the ball that has to carry them. So th- there's two yeah. different approaches to their offense and the defense, and we'll start with the offense first. This has to be their strength. It has to be. I mean, Jeff Brom is a guy that's known as one of the mo- best offensive minds of college football, and you can ask any college football coach that has any familiarity with him, and they're going to tell him, this guy is really, really smart. But the offense hasn't played at an elite level the last few years, and the big reason why is injuries have been a big part of it, but quarterback sure. play. Quarterback yeah. play has been a big issue for them in recent years, and – you know, right now it's that's I mean that's that's going to continue to be an issue for them. Is <laughs> right, right. you know they've got to figure some things. Is out. it a QB and, battle between these two? I see they're not returning starters, but they both well, have similar. You know, they say they say no returning starter, but Jack Plummer started the final three games, and okay. and I thought he played well. I mean, okay, he got three starts. He threw for three hundred sixty-seven. I mean, look. The last three games, they scored 31, 30, and 27 points, which isn't, sure. isn't you know, world-beating, but but it's good. He had um, he completed 83% of his passes in his first start against Minnesota, threw for 367 yards, three touchdowns. Next week against Rutgers was okay. I remember that game. He had some misses, but he went 20-35, 237 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. And then his third start, he went 33-47 of 47 for 70.2%. Uh, completion rate for 334 yards, three touchdowns, no picks against Nebraska. You know, and they scored 30, 27 points. But 
you know, to me, I thought I thought he did some nice things. Ran for a touchdown. Also had twenty positive twenty one rushing yards. Went for over twenty in each of his first two games. Minus twenty three against Nebraska. Had a rushing touchdown against them. You know, so so I think Jack Plummer to me is 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 the key. You know, okay. the thing about Aiden O'Connell is that that's the other quarterback you're referring right. to, he's right? A, he's a senior. Plummer's yeah. a junior. You know, yeah. he, he's a nice player. He did some nice things last year too. You know, two for two hundred eighty-two and three touchdowns in a in a, in a win over Iowa. Uh, through four, he went twenty-nine of thirty-five. That's eighty-two point nine percent. Twice last year, they had a quarterback complete over eighty percent of his passes. Uh, three hundred seventy-one yards, two touchdowns, and then this last game, which was a loss to Northwestern, he threw for two hundred sixty-three yards and two touchdowns. And, and so. I mean, they they did some nice things as far as moving the football. They did some nice things as far as you know putting putting yards in the air. The problem is couldn't really run the football, and that's and, I think is going to be their yeah. biggest issue this year as well. And it's not a running back problem. I mean, Xander Horvath is a, a quality football player. I mean, not a guy that should threaten Notre Dame. We're just talking Purdue overall, not necessarily matching right. against he's, Notre Dame. Uh, are you are you you're aware he's from the area, right? He went mm-hmm. to Marion High yeah. School. Yeah, mm-hmm. I played. Yeah. I coached against him many many times. He's a yeah. big boy and hard to bring down. Yeah, but he he ran for 377 yards and averaged four point eight uh, yards in two thousand nineteen. Uh, in two thousand twenty, last year in six games, he ran for four hundred forty two yards, five yards a carry. You know, two touchdowns. He's a nice back. Uh, King Doru is a name that some Notre Dame fans might remember. He's been banged up the last two years. If he's finally healthy and 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 still there, they need him to be. Yeah, that's going to add a little bit to it. But and, and their quarterback Plummer's not a stiff, right? I mean, so so they're able to move the football somewhat effectively. But man, they were through the air. But they were a terrible rushing team last year. Like right, they were so bad running the ball the last two years that they make USC go, man, you guys don't run the ball at all. Because <laughs> they couldn't. Yeah, I mean, they just weren't very good yeah. at it, and, and that's just something like when you look at Jeff Brom's offenses at, at Western Kentucky, the, they they ran the ball. There was one year they were over twenty yards rushing. His first two years they were okay, one fifty one, and then one thirty six. They were about four and a half a carry. Last two years they've been eighty three point three and eighty one point five yards right. per game rushing, and eighty one point five puts you at one twenty four. In the you answer. can't, that's, you can't be that bad, exactly. And you can't chalk it up to a COVID year because they were just as bad the year before, right? You know, Those I mean, two 2019, yeah. And, yeah. And, and matter of fact, they ran the ball better last year. They were they were 3.3 yards per carry as opposed to two point. When you jump up to 3.3 yards per attempt and people say, wow, you improved. That's a problem. That's a huge problem. They were last in the Big Ten last year in Russia. Yeah. Last. By, a, by, a, by quite a bit, wasn't it? And if I, and if I look, remember correctly. I'm sorry, but you, if you're coming in last in any category in the Big Ten, that's a huge problem. It's a huge problem. Yes. Yes. And I, and I, yeah. Oh no, I'm sorry. Michigan State was only 10 yards ahead of them. <laughs> only. But okay, so Michigan finished 11th out of 14. Michigan had 50 more yards per game rushing than Purdue. So they're 14 to get to 11. Just I mean, that's still bad. Right. You have to get 50 more yards per game rushing. Per game. Per game. And the big problem has been the O line. That's yeah. been the issue. Yep. And they get no push at all. Which is and again, like I said, broken record. That, that's the matchup in this game. Yeah. It, it's Notre Dame's defensive line versus right. versus Purdue's offensive line. I I feel bad for for Xander Horvath, who's going to be coming home basically to play a game, and I just don't think he's going to see the light of day. I, I yeah. just I really I don't, don't see them making a big jump. But but big picture wise, before we dive into the Notre Dame sorry. matchup, if yep. Purdue's going to have no, don't be sorry, it's all good. <laughs> we can go back and forth. That's yeah. what makes these shows fun, right? Absolutely, I, I'm enjoying it. Really, I am. For Purdue to to 
make a bowl game this year, the biggest thing that's going to have to change is that right there. Because if their offensive line pli- – like, so like in 2017 and 20, 20, 2018, they weren't great up front, but they could at least hold their own. And at times they were pretty good. They had an experience unit you know, in 2018. They were able to run the ball all over Ohio State in that game. But you, you've got it. This group has to be better. They have to be able to give them some semblance of – and look, if they run for only 130, 140 yards a game this year, that's not great. But at least That's gives them some increase. sort of balance where yeah. you have to somewhat respect right. the run game. They've got two starters coming back on the offensive line, which is not a good sign. But skill-wise, you look at David Bell, Milton David Wright, huge, yeah. Malik Carr, TJ Sheffield, a guy that was committed to Notre Dame for five and a half minutes. Uh, there's talent there. You know, again, not oh my god, they might beat Notre Dame talent, but like, hey, these guys got some talent. I like Jack right. Plummer, Aiden O'Connell, a quarterback to me. You gotta hope if you're a Purdue fan, if you're Jeff Brom, if I'm if I'm and his brother, I think his brother's still the quarterbacks coach, right, Brian? No. Oh. You have to sit there and, and think to yourself, I pray that Jack Plummer wins the job. He's the offensive coordinator. Okay. Well, Jeff yeah, and, and the Brian Jeff is. still calls plays, but yes, oh, okay. he's the offensive coordinator. Gotcha. Uh yeah, so I, I thought he was still there. Sorry. Then it's okay. It's he's part got, of the got, conversation, man. They've got co offensive coordinators according to Athlon. It's Jamarcus Shepard. And Brian Brom. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, the play caller is Jeff Brom. Right. Uh, right. But as, as it should be, by the way. Correct. <laughs> Vince, here's 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 the deal, essentially, when you look at this offense. Like the offensive line has to be at least good enough to allow them to, to say, hey, if you're not going to respect our run game, we can run it on you. You have to at least somewhat respect that part of the game. Mm-hmm. That has to be better. Skill wise. If Aiden O'Connell is your starting quarterback, you're you're he's not going to make a lot of mistakes, but I don't think he's going to make a ton of plays either. You have to be thinking to yourself: if you're Brian Brom, if you're Jeff Brom, I really hope Jack Plummer wins the job. Now you don't hand it to him because he's got to earn it. Because Aiden Con- O'Connell's done enough at Purdue to say, "Hey, I deserve a shot to to win the job myself." You don't just hand it to Jack Plummer, but Jack Plummer's the more talented kid. He just is, mm-hmm. and and he's the more athletic kid, I, I believe. He's the he's the bigger kid. He's got the better arm. You need him to win the job. If he doesn't, that's going to be it. Could be a little bit a little bit troubling. But when when I look at this this team, Vince, this is the side of the ball that has to be their strength. Has to be their strength. They have to get better here. And if they don't do that, then you start saying to yourself, okay, you're now three. You're now five years in, and you haven't figured this thing out with your offensive line. To me, that's that's a really bad sign, and starts making you say. You know, maybe Jeff Brom for his look, and, and there's not a higher there's not a higher person on Jeff Brom than me, right? Yeah, um, yeah you know, for, for where he's been. Yeah. But look, if you if you can't get this thing turned around, then you have to start answer, tell, talking to yourself about hey, maybe he's just a great offensive mind, but not a great head coach at this level. Sure. And there's a difference. And and this year, this is the year he's got to go out and prove that. Because you know, it look at your team now. You can't blame it on the and the roster you inherited from right, Daryl Hayes. Year five. This is year five, right? right? Yeah. Right. So these are his guys. I mean, this, his this whole roster's his now. Yeah. You, exactly. You're back to having your offense, right? Your offense is the way that it is. You know, you you've had a whole or your offense is your offensive your off season uh, is, is where it is. And so there's to me there's really no there's no excuse to to get it. And you know, to me. I look at this unit and I say they've got two offensive line coaches, which is needed. Uh, I'm sorry. They just, they got to get it going. 
Yeah. They got to get, they, there's no, they have there's to no get more going. excuses. There's no more, or no. I should say, there's no more built in excuses, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, something could happen, of course, but you're right. In year five, it, you, it's, it's kind of make or break. There has mm-hmm. to be a considerable stride for Purdue. And I'm not saying they can't do it because I think they can do it. Uh, but I kind of need to see it though, too, right. because it, I know, and I know we've, we've hampered the, or we, we've talked a lot about the run game. But that's the biggest thing for me. I mean, mm-hmm. if, they, if they can't, if they can't at least make that a threat, then this isn't going to work, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can right. have the most explosive pass game in the country, but if you don't have a run game at all, then it, I mean, look at Oklahoma. Nobody talks about their run game, but it's a not, very, very, very nice compliment, mm-hmm. you know, to what they want to do in the pass game. It, it, you right. just have to have it, and they just don't right now. And this is the perfect opportunity to prove people like me wrong, right. frankly. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's going to be the that's going to be the matchup, though, right? As we kind of look at this from a Notre Dame standpoint, it's can Notre Dame's front four, if Notre Dame's front four doesn't dominate this matchup, I'm going to be a little nervous. Yeah. Now, I expect Purdue to be better, but I'm going to be nervous because even better, this is not a team that should be able to to, to get movement against Notre Dame. And if Notre Dame's front four can't rush the quarterback in this game, I'm going to be a, a little nervous, but it's going to be more about shutting down the run. If you can't dominate the run game, I'm going to Absolutely. be nervous in this Absolutely. game. Absolutely. I think Purdue's offensive line is pretty decent at protecting the quarterback, or at least it should be. Um when when you look at um, the run game, though, that's that's a bit of a problem. Well, that's and, a bit and of a problem. yeah, exactly. And I and I don't think that you know they look Purdue might might get a good a big run you know game against Connecticut, which is sure. which is the week before Notre Dame. Yeah, their run game has to get going against the other teams on the has schedule. To. It, can't, it can't it can't against Notre Dame because of what what right. Notre Dame's strengths are exactly. as a defense. Yes, exactly. It, and I'm not I'm not going to throw out numbers right now until I see what Notre Dame does the first two weeks of the season, obviously. Mm-hmm. But they can't. They should hold Notre or they should hold uh, Purdue to under 100 yards rushing. I mean, they absolutely should. Yeah. And, and, and unless opinion, they get like some yards late in the game, something like that. And, and that's yeah. different. I mean, and that's that. You're right. That's a very good point. I mean, if if Notre Dame is in a place where they're subbing and things of that nature, then and yeah, yeah, they rip one off, right? Right. Bless you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't see this. And, Purdue and that's how you neutralize the talent that they have at the skill positions. Exactly. Best way to take David Bell out of the game, make sure the quarterback's laying on his back. Exactly. Because you face. don't want to make him as uncomfortable as possible. Right. 
right? right. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the bottom line. That's the key. That's the key. No question. Defensively, Vince, this is this. So this is the side of the ball that does need to carry the team, but it's got to get a lot better. I mean, their their defense in recent years has been abysmal. Last year, they gave up twenty nine point eight points per game. That was their best mark in three years. <laughs> You're right. They'd been over thirty the two previous years, and it, it just. I mean, they gave up twenty, twenty four, twenty seven, thirty four, thirty seven, and thirty seven points. Now it wasn't couple of those they had it gave up like a kick return for a touchdown against Rutgers, you know so a couple of those weren't quite quite there yet but i mean they've <laughs> they got to get a lot better on defense but they're still better. they're still in the bottom half of the big 10 all of the defensive yeah, everything and yeah. that's that again that's not going to win you the ball games that you need yeah. to win now they hired a new defensive coordinator brad yes, lambert's their new defensive coordinator he came from marshall marshall had the number one scoring defense in the country last year and the number two uh, total defense in the country last year uh, so well, they basically cleaned house on the defensive side of the ball, right? Because they've got a new D line coach, they got a new was uh, corners coach. I want to say they they're they're new all over the place. Yeah. The Bob um, Biaco experiment did not work. One year and done, yeah, <laughs> one did not year work. done, yeah. But the, the, the and the thing I like about the Brad Lambert hire is and and why I didn't like the Bob. I hope the Bob Diaco is going to work out because I actually like Bob Diaco. He's yeah. what, not like him from like I'd want to hang out with him because he just would kind of just it's, a strange cat, but like. He was always a good guy. Like he, you know, the players liked him. They respected him. I never heard anything bad about him as a, sure. as a person. All that, you know. And, and I, I'd, and he look. He he did a great job turning Notre Dame around it, defensively. But it, that wasn't going to work. Bob Diaco was successful in Notre Dame because he had great players, he had dudes, yeah. and he knew how to put them in the right play. I mean, sure. You look at some of the players he had in ten to twelve. You're talking about Harrison Smith, Manti Teo. Uh, Capron, Lewis Moore, and eleven and twelve. He had Stephon Tuitt, Aaron Lynch in eleven. You had Aaron Lynch and two. I mean, Stephon Tuitt in was twelve. You had Lewis Nix, right? Um, you know, you had you had some Darius Fleming. You had, I mean, you had a lot of guys that went to play in the National Football League. And he was good at teaching them how to play and line up correctly, and then just go be better than who you're playing against. And you can't do that. Coaches like that in your career, right? Guys that are really good coaches with talent, right? Right? They're really good at communicating with those guys, right. put them in a position to be successful, teach them how to play. Absolutely. Right. But then there's guys that are much better teachers, right? They're right. The, and, that's, fundamental and that's also teachers. where Bob Diaco was. Yeah. Correct. Right. The problem he had was he wasn't, it, it, you need to be a great teacher to coach at a place like Purdue, yes. but you also have to be really creative schematically because you're never going to have the players of the right. top six to eight teams in your league. Yeah. And that's the thing. And, and when you're doing what Bob Diaco did, and, and he just didn't adjust, we had a question about this. I think it was last week. You know why? Why did why, what happened to him? Right. Yeah. He just never adjusted to the the changes in the game. You know, teams could just run all over his defense. Well, it's one thing you couldn't do against his defense in Notre Dame, and it's because he didn't he didn't evolve with the times. And you see all these spreads and and, and all these type of things. But again, it was just he didn't have the horses. He didn't have a Manti Teo or a Lewis Nix or a Capron Lewis Moore or a Harrison Smith. Right, you know that he could just say, "Hey, go, go dominate!" Right, and Stephon to it kind of guy. So he tried. That's just kind of what he needed to be, and and that's you think about where he came up from when he was at Iowa for all those years. That's where who Iowa was. I mean, Iowa had these big, strong, tough, smart kids, and you know, Iowa for a lot of times produced really good college linebackers. Yeah, he was a Bob Diaco was one of those. And it was a lineup and play because back then the Big Ten was a you know run the football and. Round and pound, well, <laughs> yeah. you know, and and that's who he was. Well, the game changed, right? And he didn't have very good players at Purdue. 
And he didn't know how to be creative enough to, to do that. Well, when you're coming from Marshall, you're not coaching a, a team loaded with future NFL draft picks. You've got to know how to teach. you got to know, how. hey, here's how to line up. Here's how to execute. Here's the fundamentals of the game. But you also have to be creative enough schematically to say, hey, we're going to put our players in position to be successful, but also put our players in position where we're going to create some issues for the other team. Right, right. And that's going to be the key. Yep, absolutely. And, and so can Brad Lambert be that guy? I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> he doesn't have to be great. They don't have to become the best defense in the, in the Big Ten. They just have to be a lot better. I mean, they have to get down to me. They've got to get closer to, you know, the, the 24 points per game kind of thing. That To me, that's where they need to be, Vince. They, they just have to be able to make enough stops on defense to win some games. Because, again, you look at last season. They lost by seven to Northwestern, three to Minnesota, seven to Rutgers, ten to Nebraska, sure. which means they were six defensive stops away from being undefeated. Well, and and you, I mean, you it's a no, it's no, hyper it's a bit hyperbolic, but sure, you get the but, point that I'm making. But right? the point is made. I mean, the point is made that they don't have to be light years better defensively no. to be in these games, and they're in those right. games already. But to right. win those games, and then you know they they gave up thirty points a game, they scored twenty seven points a game. Right. You you can't obviously. Right. I mean. Simple math, it, right? And you it was the same thing in 2019. They went yeah. four and eight. They lost by three points in Nevada because they couldn't make stops in the fourth quarter. Right, exactly. They lost by seven points to Minnesota. Uh, again, couldn't make late, st- late stops. They lost by six points at Iowa, a top 25 team. Again, couldn't make stops late when you needed it. And lost by three points at home to Indiana. That's four uh, losses right there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, right there, if you win two of those – you know, just split those four games. You're a bowl team. If you win three of those four games, you're seven and five. And and now all of a sudden you're recruiting better and, and, and sure. all those type of things. So, you know, they, they got blown out by TCU at home that year. They got blown out at Penn State and they got blown out at Wisconsin that year. All their other games were, were somewhat, even the game against Illinois, they lost 24 to six. That was the game where their offense was just ravaged. But look, the reality is, is your, your defense has to be able to make two more stops a game. Right than what you're making now. Your defense has to complement the offense. Right. It, because they already have the number one passing offense in the Big Ten. I mean, they, they're over 300 yards a game in the Big Ten, and that's that's a lot of yards in the Big Ten, right? 309. That puts With them in basically Rondo Moore barely playing. Right. He, he His stats were pedestrian because he was hurt the most mm-hmm. of the season, right? And so and that puts them 16th in the nation in, in throwing the ball. So, look, I still think they're going to be able to throw the ball offensively they need to complement the defense i mean the complement with the rushing uh you know stats and then defensively if like you said if the if the scoring average can be less than the scoring average for the offense yeah. that's going to be huge and i know that sounds ridiculously yeah. simple but they need to be around 24 or 23 yeah. like that would be perfect yeah. for them yeah got to make more stops which allows you to be more balanced on offense because the one thing is they threw for a lot of yards last year, but they also averaged 43 and a half attempts per game. They were only at 7.1 yards per attempt. Right. That, that's not where you want to be. That's a pretty low yards per attempt average. Because basically they had to turn their perimeter pass game into the run into game. Into the run game. Yep. That's exactly kind of right. how it worked. Yep. So they got to be able to create some more big shots. But at the end, at the same time, if, if you're worried about your defense not being able to stop anybody, you're going to be a little nervous about uh, taking a first and 10 shot that maybe puts you in a position where you can, might have to go three and out. Because then all of a sudden – you're you're going to give up like, six, and you got to right? worry about possessing the ball too. Right? I mean that that's because you got to keep your defense off the field. That's what I'm saying they're yeah. going to give up scores. That's right. exactly right. And and Xander Horvath, their starting running back, 
was what third or fourth on the team in receptions. I mean, he had right. 30, 30 catches last year. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to be involved in the past game, but again, that's, that was their running game. I mean, that, right. that's, that's how he was successful, uh, you know, getting yardage because he was catching the ball out of the backfield. Um, right. Let's see. He was their third. Yeah. Third leading uh, receiver, 304 yards, 30 catches. So, you know, again, you add that to his rushing. Well, now you're talking over 700 yards of, of mm-hmm. offense, right? That's not terrible, mm-hmm. right? So it's not a running back issue. Again, to just go back to the point that the offensive line just absolutely needs to be better. Right. And a big part of that's going to be you have to be more disruptive on defense. And I'm, I'm looking at this. Like Purdue had only 15 turnover, forced turnovers in 2019 in, in 12 games. They only had seven last year in six games. Uh, they've ranked 61st and 84th in tackles for loss the last two years. They're not a very disruptive defense. Right. They have right. to be more disruptive. They and that's where those stops are going to come from. And that's where we're going to find out what you know what Brad Lambert's all about because you know that's going to be the key to to saying, hey, look, are you know can, can you be disruptive? Can you get after it? Um, the one thing about his Marshall defense is as good as they were last year numbers wise, they were not great at producing tackles for loss. They ranked. They rank pretty low in the last two years in tackles for loss, so that's a bit concerning for me. Um, but you know, the, the 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 end result was good. Can he carry that into to Purdue? That's what we're going to find out. But that's going to be the key. Now, the one thing he has going for him is he's going to have one of the best defensive ends in the country this year, in George Karloftis, assuming he's healthy. Something he was not last year. Uh, had a great freshman year. Didn't play great last year. The expectation is that he's going to be one of the best defensive ends in the country. Right. I guess is a better way of saying that rather than he will be one of the best. The expectation is he's going to be one of the best. Should be a good he's test. Getting a lot of first yeah. round love. I don't see that yet. I, I just don't. It's based on reputation right now. Right. Yeah. He's got to get a lot better, but he's a big, strong kid. And you were getting ready to say, Vince, correctly, this is going to be a big test for Blake Fisher and Josh yeah. Lug. No exactly. question about it. This will be this will be their first opportunity to go up against uh for lack of a better term a stud defensive end mm-hmm. right somebody that can test them somebody that like you said is getting nfl first round draft uh you know talk and so that's gonna mm-hmm. be that's gonna be the buzz going into this game okay it's this the first real test for these tackles for these inexperienced tackles and i i, I still say josh lug is inexperienced he only got six starts at tackle and it was two years ago yeah five so he, I'm sorry. Yeah, five. Even even yeah. fewer. No, I'm I'm adding to your go. point. Yeah. Alex, five. Yeah. Yeah. So look, this is going to be a great test for them, and but I think it's a it's a really good test. Like it, this is a a good time to be tested in game mm-hmm. three. You got two games under your belt. Um, you most likely had to deal with a lot of line games and things like that in week two. Well, now you're going into week three. Probably not as many line games, but better talent coming at you. And so I, I think this is this is well placed for for this group. Um, and again, it's going to be a good test for them and an appropriately placed test for these tackles. They have two they have two SEC transfers that I'm very curious to see. Number one is a linebacker from Auburn named O.C. Brothers. And from reading stuff, I have he didn't play much at Auburn, but from reading things, he was really good this spring for Purdue. Now, does that mean really good compared to the guys that they had? <laughs> right. or, or is he you know, a guy that can be really good as a big-time yeah. player? The other guy is a, a name that – that recruit Knicks that follow Notre Dame recruiting are going to remember. Remember Joseph Anderson from Tennessee a few years ago? Oh yeah. Uh, Notre Dame liked him. He, he, they, they could have got him. He just didn't have the, he didn't have the academics to get in Notre Dame quite, you know, good kid, but just didn't, ha- couldn't get into school. Didn't play a ton at South Carolina, 
but he's a pretty big, talented kid. He transfers in as well. I think those two guys could help them, but they've got some some of their ascending players, Anthony Watts, a couple guys like that. They got a hybrid end um, that they have, Demarcus Mitchell, who's kind of a yeah, he's kind of a he's a good football player, but the back seven is what returns a lot of players, and and they're gonna have to they're gonna have to limit giving up so many big plays. That's kind right. of what killed him is they'd make a stop and then it's third and five and you give up a sixty yard bomb, you know, and, and those are the things that they're gonna have to get better at is is getting pressure on the quarterback, which means a healthy George Karloftis, which he was not last year, which is, you know, it's, I was reading in the magazine, like, they're going to have to improve on their their five sacks last year. And I'm like, because they only had five sacks in six games. I'm like, well, that's that's George Karloftis' job. I mean, that's right. that's what you're hoping exactly. he's going to be. Exactly. And, you know, so so if you can have him be productive, that's going to be a key to him. He had seven and a half sacks as a true freshman in 2000, 2019. You needed him to get back to being that guy. And if he can be, then you know you'll you'll be able to be disruptive and and do some nice things. But the the front's going to be the key. And the, the thing I liked about Carl Loftus in 2019 as a freshman is he didn't have like that one game, he had like three sacks. He never had more than one and a half sack in a game. So I mean, he was he right. Yeah. That's going to be the key for him. So if he can if he can do that, then you know they'll have that guy that can rush the quarterback, and then you can maybe design some pressures to you know if you're trying to f- focus your your your. Uh, your protection scheme to stop Carl Loftus, then what you can do as a defensive coordinator to then counter that and bring some pressure from the other side or bring some pressure with Carl Loftus where you can't put two guys on him because we're going to overload you that side and force you to go one-on-one with him, and he's got to win that one. So there's a lot of different things you can do if he's as good as advertised, but at the end of the day, this is going to be about coaching and and can you figure out ways to get pressure because your your talent's top to bottom not good enough to – to make this big jump by itself. You know, your talent's good enough to where they can improve with good coaching, but not improve all the way where they need to be, Vince. There's going to have to be at some point in time say, hey, look, we've got to figure out ways schematically to, to give these guys a chance to be effective and make stops. And that's what you do when you have good – I mean, when, when you have players that you think are good, you you scheme to get them involved. I mean, mm-hmm. that, whether you're on offense or defense, that's your job as a coach, right? And so right. – if George Karloftis is as good as the recruit Knicks and everybody says, or the I should say the draft Knicks, right? Because we've moved on from recruiting. Um, if if he's that good, then he'll show it. And mm-hmm. and and look, I say this is a good opportunity for the tackles at Notre Dame. This is a great opportunity for George as well because mm-hmm. this is going to be his first opportunity to go up against, you know, really good tackles in theory, right? Against Notre Dame's offensive line, and so uh, there you're draft people are going to be taking a really close look at this particular game uh, early on in the season for George Karloftis to see if he is as advertised, right? right. Coming off that injury plague season. So um, it's a big game. It's a big game for him and it's a big game for these tackles for sure. Yeah. So how the game plays out to me, the key for Notre Dame are going to be twofold. Number one, getting a fast start on them offensively. If Notre Dame can come out and score early, get Purdue out of any, any thought of being, balanced any thought of controlling the clock and force them to kind of have to pick it up that's obviously where you want to be you want to put them in a in a bind what happened against ohio state is ohio state didn't score early purdue didn't really start ripping them off until second third you know quarter and then they put them in the fourth quarter they weren't ripping them necessarily early but ohio state couldn't put them away you let purdue stay in that game get confident and then all of a sudden purdue got hot and started taking advantage of your mistakes Notre Dame offense now, game three. You got to come out and be be impactful early. You got to make plays early. You got to figure out a way to neutralize Karloftis. If you can do that, you're going to be successful. 
And then defensively, it's again, it's you got to tackle in space. They're going to throw a lot of quick yep. game. You know, they're they're a, a, a pro style passing attack, spread the field, ISOs, those kind of things. Try to get guys in free in space. You've got to be able to handle those things, handle the high lows, be disciplined in coverage, but then tackle in space. And then the other key is dominate the line of scrimmage. And th- mm-hmm. this is what we talk about the D line. Like, you know, you could make a case that Toledo has the best offensive line Notre Dame's going to face in the first three games. Am I wrong? Nah, I mean, you can make a real good case It's debatable. It's debatable, but... They, they've got more all-conference players than any of the three first Yeah, I mean, lines. Florida I mean, State's line stinks. But still. Yeah, Florida State's line stinks. Yeah. I don't know if there's a lot of all-MAC players on Florida State's offensive line. <laughs> That's or what, I'm saying. Offensive line. what I'm saying. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, yeah, so I mean, so this is... I mean, the defensive line really needs to, to dominate early in yeah. the season. And if you can't right. dominate the first three games, it's like... Uh, Maybe, What's going to happen when you play Cincinnati and Wisconsin we were in North Carolina? Yeah. yeah, right. Like, no, we didn't say that. We never <laughs> said the line, the D line was going to be great. Hey, and by the way, um, I don't know what happened. How all of our summer YouTube videos got deleted? <laughs> Just, I don't. I have no clue what happened. We got you hacked. Know? Yeah, that's it. That's good, good excuse. We got hacked. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> well, I and I will say with with this being the um, the first the last game of the first quarter, right for Notre sure. Dame. Um, this is the game preceding Wisconsin, and sure. at, at this point, I need to see the offense. Yeah, like I, I want, I need to see the offense start out. really catching, that, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like the, the, I, the timing, I, the all that. It stuff, should yeah. not be an issue coming out fast and coming out strong against Purdue offensively. Because by right. now, if you're not doing that by now, I'm really worried about Week Four, and, and that mm-hmm. that's and I will hold that thought for for quite a while. And then defensively. You know, you talked about they have to be good in space. They have to be able to tackle in space. Look, they're going to be going up against Notre Dame's offense all August, um, and I think that's what a lot of Notre Dame stuff is going to be. So I think they're going to. I think this defense is going to be ready to be effective in space because that's what they're going to be seeing when they're going up against the number ones on the offensive side for Notre Dame. So I, I, I do think that they're going to be up to the task of shutting down this this Purdue offense. Now, look. This kind of an offense is going to have big plays. Could they break one on Notre Dame? Sure, they could. It's mm-hmm. absolutely possible. Sure, um, but I think overall, I, I like where Notre Dame's defense is going to be at this point yeah. in Game Three. And and we're gonna and something I'm looking to see is I think a really good D line is also a smart D line. Meaning, look, Purdue's gonna Purdue knows that they can't block Notre Dame's D line all game, so they're gonna be a lot of quick game, a lot of hit your drop and get rid of the absolutely. ball. Absolutely, you got long guys like Isaiah Foskey and. Are you getting your hands up? Are you disrupting right. in that or that regards? Those are things that could be key too. So I, we're going to learn a lot about this about this football team, and and this this is the game that's really going to test the Notre Dame defense, in my opinion. A uh, uh, back seven. This is the game that's going to test that because this is the best group of skill players I think Notre Dame's going to face the first no three question. games, no, and the best scheme I, yeah. too. I mean, yeah. it, all of the above. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, yep. I completely. Agree. Which means. Uh, uh, how do you how do you neutralize that? Dominate in the trenches. Mm-hmm. That's the key.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.